<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I'm former double agent and Newsweek editor-at-large, Naveed Jamali, and you're listening to Declassified, brought to you by Newsweek. Declassified is an exploration of what it means to be secure and of the people all over the world who are quietly working to keep us safe. In my career in the intelligence community, I served as a double agent and as an intelligence officer. My goal is to help explain the things that you can see, the proverbial iceberg above the waterline, and let you know what is below it. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today, Friday, May 27th, is a big day if you're a movie buff. It's an even bigger day if you're an aviation buff. Amazingly, 36 years after the premiere of the original Top Gun, a sequel called Top Gun Maverick is now out. I was lucky enough to be able to see the film early, and as a fan of the original, I'm so excited to report that Maverick is, well, in a word, awesome. And I mean really, really awesome. The Top Gun franchise is a big deal in the movie world for the same reason it's a big deal in the military world. Hollywood plot lines aside, it's shockingly authentic. Ah, I know you might be saying, ah, that can't be right. But here's the thing. Those actors worked with real Navy pilots, flew in real fighter jets, and have to act while they're subjected to enormous G-forces. They filmed themselves acting while these planes were flying in some of the most dynamic G-loading aerial acrobatics that someone can go through. Jay Ellis, the actor who plays Payback in Top Gun Maverick, still gets downright giddy when he talks about the experience. He's the child of an Air Force veteran, so the already rare experience was even more special for him. A few weeks ago, Jay and I chatted about Maverick, working with Tom Cruise, and increasing diversity both on screen and in the ranks of the military. If you don't mind... Let's start off with a, with a really important question here. You know, Jay, I spent 10 years in the Navy, and I got to tell go. you. Thank you for your service, man. It was, it was a joy, and there's a lot of adventure. And I got to tell you, the first time that I remember walking onto the ramp and actually seeing an F-18 and seeing one of those birds start up 
And like that engine, you feel it in your bones. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So I got to ask you about the star of the movie, the planes, the jets. What was it like just out of the gate working around naval aviation? What did it feel like? What was, I mean, give me some, give me some good sauce here. What was it like? Yeah. You know, my dad was in the air force when I was a kid and, um, there were a lot of days where I would get sent home from school and I would ultimately have to go hang out in a hangar with my dad, who was a mechanic while he worked on all these jets. And I just remember like looking at them and like, you know, they're so big and lean and powerful. And I remember just thinking like, oh, this was the coolest thing possible. I think I was even getting in trouble in school <laughs> to get sent to go to my dad's hangar and have to watch him work. And then, you know, Full circle, come around, you you find out about the audition, then you book the movie and you find out you're going to be flying. And I remember we pulled on to North Island and like right behind this hangar that we were shooting at was like 10 F-18s, all Super Hornets, all lined up. And every single one of us lost it. It was <laughs> this thing of like, oh my God, they're real. Like we like are all touching them and like rubbing our hand down the side of them. Uh, it was it was amazing, man. Like, I think we all feel like, you know, I, I feel like a kid in a candy store and I'm literally eating all of the candy every single day. <laughs> and it didn't just stop there. Right. I mean, that was just the that was just the, you know, the beginning of the meal. Right. And I can totally envision North Island with those jets lined up. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was about. insane. I have this video that's like I have a video of me and Glenn boxing we like we were like working out in between takes and boxing with like five f-18s sitting behind you like it just became normal that we were in front of f-18s every single day which is wild to say it is remarkable and it didn't stop there right so you didn't just get to box and see the jets and like be on the flight line you were actually in them you were doing the one step beyond that and again like those air sequences my goodness they were amazing what was it like to not just see the jets, but fly in them to pull G's, to pull some serious G's? What was yeah. that like? Yeah, you know, you you get in the FAT. The whole process starts like two hours before you even get in a flight for us. We would do these briefs before the flight where we would talk about what we need to cap what what any given actor needed to capture for their flight, uh, what direction the sun needed to be in, the maneuvers they needed to be doing. We would do a big safety meeting. Uh, then we would get in this wooden thing called a buck that we called a buck, which was like a small wooden cockpit, and we would rehearse with our pilot uh, for these scenes that we had to go up there and do. And then from there, you're like thrown in a van, sent across the tarmac. You go in the PR shop, which is where these pilots keep all their gear, their helmets, their their flights, uh, their flights, um, G suits. Uh, they get dressed and then they walk out to the jets. They hop in them. And, you know, you crawl up the ladder and you're like, yes, we're about to go. Let's do this, baby. We're about to take off. I'm about to be a pilot. And you sit there for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and it's like all these safety yeah. checks. <laughs> And communications checks just to make sure you can get up in the air. Right. And the ground crews are amazing. Like what you what you kind of lose sight of because you're just thinking about the flying is all the people it takes to make this beautiful machine get up in the air and do all the amazing things that it does and support this pilot. So then finally you're pushed to the end of the, the runway. And then it is just like, I mean, you are it is a I don't even it's a jet like it's a rocket just literally flying down the runway pops up in the air. You pull a couple G's as you like, you know, turn out of turn out of air, uh, the, the air, the airport's airspace. And 
you just feel you're in this cockpit. It's wrapped around you. Your adrenaline is going. You're excited. You're scared. You, you also have all these cameras in front of you that you have to operate. You don't want to mess that up. But you also just want to fully like take. There were times where I would get in there and fully forget that I had to act because <laughs> I was just so enamored with every single thing around me and like looking you know, 100, 270 degrees, 180 degrees, I guess, like looking around me and seeing all that we were flying around. It was, it was insane. Like, I, I don't even know how to explain it. I guess it's probably what like someone feels like the first time they drive, but like times 100. Yeah. There's, I can only imagine. And you know, you weren't just flying for fun. You're acting, which is watching the movie it completely came through this you know this visceral i mean it's visceral right it's visceral acting there is nothing more visceral that you can get being in a hornet doing a you know six seven hundred knots pulling four or five g's whatever you guys pulled it showed i mean this was really talk about method acting i mean this was really you're 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 in that role right you're not just acting you're filming what was that like i mean this is completely different than i imagine most actors ever do flying the back of a hornet filming themselves and acting seven actors have done it. amazing. Uh, and we are, we are of those seven actors and, and you're right, man. Like it is, you know, most actors, you just stand in front of the camera you hit your mark, you say a line, you're connected. Somebody calls cut, you move on to the next thing, right? This is, you were up there operating the cameras. You're, you're clapping your hands for sound sync for, for the sound department. You're, you know, you're checking your level of like sweat and your makeup and making sure you look good. Then you got your mask and your visor to make sure they're in the right place. Uh, any other props that may be in there with you. And then, you know, you also got to say some lines. <laughs> you also got to like, you know, manage these cameras and do all this stuff, say some lines. And oh, by the way, you have to tell your pilot to pull a maneuver on, you know, this specific line. I need you to dive and then like take us into a, a barrel roll or, or pull up and take us into a barrel roll or whatever it may be. And you're t you are telling someone who has spent their entire life training to fly this jet how to fly their jet so you can <laughs> capture what you need to capture for the movie. Right. And they're so gracious with it and they love it. And they're like, yeah, I got you. No problem. And you're getting tossed around at the same time. It's there's there's nothing you can do to prepare for it except go through the Tom Cruise <laughs> school of flight. Like that's literally the <laughs> only way because of the way he trained us. You know, we were, we started out literally just getting comfortable in the air. And then all of a sudden it was, the endurance of being able to pull G's. And then from that, that came into, okay, cool. Now that you have that, now we have to add in performance and we have to add in this technical stuff in terms of making a film with yeah. the cameras and all the other things around you. And so it was like a, it was like a, 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 a film school, a flight school, a masterclass, like all wrapped into like <laughs> this cockpit. You know what I mean? Totally. And you know, we talk about the jets, we talk about Top Gun, you mentioned Tom. I mean, what was clearly Tom loves this stuff too. What was it like working with him on Top Gun? I mean, is he that into this stuff as much as you are? And does he geek out on this, on the Jets as well? Yeah, you know, I'll never forget when we started, Tom said, I just, I hope you guys, my hope is that you guys learn to love aviation the same way I love aviation when we're done with this movie. And I think every single one of us can say how much we love and appreciate aviation and the folks who fly us around the world every single day and the folks who fly in our military and our armed forces every single day. And yeah, man, like he, he, you know, when we started the movie, we overheard that Tom was like flying his plane from like, from across the country. This dude flew his own plane across by himself 
across the country in like a day that he, we were going to then use that same plane in the movie at some point. And like we were like, wait, what? Like he literally he he loves it so much was training for a classification while for another classification on a different type of uh, uh, jet while we were filming the movie. Like he just never stops learning. Yeah. Um, and that's from film to, you know, again, like aviation. It's just this um, it's inspiring, man. You, you really see how much he loves going to work every single day and making great stuff, but also giving people the space to be great. No, I mean, it's clear that he loves his stuff. It comes to, and it's clear that you guys felt it too. Uh, you know, the original Top Gun, I'm sure you've seen it. You talked about your dad being a uh, mechanic in the Air Force. Growing up, could you ever envision yourself being in a, a modern day Top Gun? And I mean, what a chance, what an opportunity to, uh, uh, did the original Top Gun like imprint on you? Did it have, do you have memories of it? Is it something that, you know, had an impact on your childhood as, as you as a young boy? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, because my dad was in the Air Force, I remember the first time I saw the movie, I was like eight or nine years old, and we saw it on a theater on base in, in Austin, Texas. Uh, and uh, the theater was packed, and you have all these families in there, and you know, uh, so many people who support that, the, the aviation community, and pilots, and like so many people who were in there watching that film. And you could feel like you could feel like the everybody fist pumping at the same time. You hear the gasp when the guys eject. You see the tears when you find out Goose passed. Like there was this 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 community experience that was happening in the theater. And I just remember like thinking, I want to do that. Like whatever that is, I'm trying to do that. Like that is where I want to be. That is what I want to be doing. And I hope to do it in a Top Gun movie. Um, and all these years later to like actually be experiencing it feels crazy. It is wild. It is crazy. I'm in this movie. Like it, I, I flew in an F-18. Like I can't believe it. Even watching it, I'm like, oh, that's me. I did that. It's just such a wild experience, man. Yeah, it, it definitely is like an imprint. You know, it definitely sticks with you. Tony Scott like also created such a beautiful movie about a world we knew nothing about. And here we are, you know, all these years later, paying homage to that movie while also bringing it into where we are now. You're right. I mean, I think for many of us, that original Top Gun imprinted on us. It has, you know, it's one of those formative memories. I think a lot of, look, I joined the military. I got to say, I'm not ashamed to say it. The original Top Gun certainly played a big role in that eventual decision many, many years later. But the modern Top Gun, you know, with Maverick, it's clearly there's connectivity, there's characters that come back, but it's different. How do you think it's different from the original? What do you see as sort of a, you know, a continuity and also a difference between the two movies? Yeah, you know, one of my favorite things about this film, two of my favorite things actually, one is the opening because it is an homage. It is, you know, the exact world that you're in. Uh, it is obviously a song that a lot of people know <laughs> and, and immediately connect to this film. Uh, and so there's, you know, there's that, right? There's the nostalgia of that sure. and that connection to, to, again, what Tony created in that original. And Joe did such a beautiful job honoring that and paying homage to that. But then, you know, Tom always says, like, it took him, the, it took, it took this long to make this movie because technology wasn't where he wanted it to be to be able to make it. And, it, you know, uh, uh, actors getting in jets was like, 
you know, that, that, that wouldn't have been done at the time. And so it took a while to get there. And, and here we are. And it's now the right time to make this movie. And yeah, man, what a movie. But anyway, uh, you know, you you the, the diversity, I think, sure. of this film is absolutely a beautiful thing. We are showing again. I grew up in the service. So like for me, it is a world that I recognize. Right. Where you see so many different people from so many different backgrounds. Uh, and then also like having, you know, Phoenix as a character in this film played by Monica, who is uh, as equally amazing and as kick ass as her character you know, representing women and holding it down for the ladies is also this amazing moment in this film. Uh, it's just, and then on top of that, you know, we are, we are showing the world, like we were, Tom and Joe and Jerry were literally creating what it is like to film a movie in a jet, pulling G's, going hundreds of miles an hour, in real time because it's never been done before and it may never be done again and that is something that like audiences are also you know new and old are gonna see and i think immediately be like just blown away by how well it was captured i think you're right and you talked about diversity i mean i'm sure you're aware of this it wasn't until 2020 that the navy got its first um, African-American attack jet pilot, right? So this is a big deal. The cast, yourself, I mean, there's just it's just a, a really diverse thing. And what do you think that says to a young woman or man who's watching this and is considering, you know, a career in aviation, considering joining the military? Representation matters, clearly. And that was a big push for this movie. Talk to me a little about that. I mean, what do you think you hope that young people who see this go away feeling? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Like representation matters and seeing yourself on screen matters. And, you know, when you when you see it, you believe it. And it was something that was insanely important to Tom and something that was insanely important to Jerry. Um, and, you know, they they stayed true to that all the way through and made sure that there was a seat at the table for everyone. Yeah, I think that is, you know, again, like <laughs> to to know that there's a generation, a younger generation of folks who will watch this movie and be inspired to, to take up flight, join the Navy, become pilots, commercial, you know, armed forces, private, whatever it may be, to know that is mind-blowing. Like, it is, it is all you could hope for. Um, and it's just this, like, it's the gift that film gives us. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's a... I don't know. My heart is warm. I don't even know a, a <laughs> way to like explain it. It's just an amazing thing. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing responsibility that I think none of us take lightly. Yeah. We all respect it and, and protect it and understand it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that it goes without saying that there are people who are going to watch this movie and it's going to inspire them to do something. I mean, it's clearly yeah. that kind of emotion that it definitely strikes, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> one of the things that... I, I got to say, Jay, you know, spending time in naval aviation a little bit. And uh, the thing that always surprised me was the call signs. Right. I got to ask, you know, dealing you must have dealt with these pilots and these a aviators writ, you know, ad nauseum. Did you ever come up with any, you know, call signs for yourself or for them? Was there anything that they, uh, you know, that they looked at? You, you know, we could never uh, I don't know if we could ever beat any of the call signs they actually had. <laughs> 
And I'm sure you understand all. Yes, very much. We could never beat those Um, because they obviously (laughs) typically come out of some embarrassing incident that these Mm -hmm. folks have had in their life. And then it's one of those things. They go to this review board where everybody just starts throwing out names. And the one that you react the most negatively to is the one that you were going to be called for the rest of your life. (laughs) That's right. Well, actually, the rest of your life. A lot of these folks, (laughs) which is also amazing. They call each other their call sign, whether they're in uniform, out of uniform, retired, still active, no matter what. Uh, So I don't think we could ever beat any of the names that they came up with for themselves. But we definitely tossed around names for us. I think we all came up with like like I called I called Lewis Ralph for a little bit because, you know, he had an issue keeping his uh, (laughs) breakfast down every time he flew. Uh, (laughs) uh, We called we called Monica Marlboro. Uh, just as a nickname for her, for for Monica Barbaro. Uh, and also she was just like a pack of cigarettes. She was just cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we Somebody called me Cheeks for a while, which I did not appreciate. Um, <laughs> they tried to make fun of me because they said my butt ate up the entire flight suit every time I stood up. I didn't really appreciate that. I did start running. Uh, my butt has gotten a little smaller since then. <laughs> so uh, they can't call me that no more. <laughs> Well, I think we're gonna have to leave it there. Jay, don't call me Cheeks Ellis. <laughs> hey, Jay, if you got a call sign, you know you're one of the club. So you must have done a damn good job. It's a wonderful movie. I really enjoyed it, Jay. It's been a, it's been an absolute blast talking to you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for going to see it, man. We appreciate it. Hollywood is what it is, and there's only so much Hollywood magic can replicate. Sometimes even the best actors have to consult with the real deal. The Top Gun School is a very real program that Navy fighter pilots have to complete to fly and fight in these jets. And just a handful of actors over the last few decades have gone through a version of that course. So I was lucky enough to sit down with Commander Chris Pops Papianu, who was the commanding officer of the Navy's Top Gun School when Top Gun Maverick was being filmed. He led safety and education efforts for the actors in Maverick, and we're incredibly lucky to have been able to pick his brain about that process. Hey, Commander, it's great to have you. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, all right, Pops, let me let me ask you the, uh, the age-old question when it comes to Top Gun Maverick, and that is you're clearly the product, the fruit of the original Top Gun labor here. You were, I mean, you are Top Gun. Uh, how impactful was the first movie on uh, your current career and on your life? Uh, it, it was extremely impactful. Um, you know, I, I grew up at an early age and was lucky enough to know what I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to go fly airplanes and, and tactical airplanes. Um, and I was looking at that when Top Gun came out and the original Top Gun came out in 1986 and, you know, one sitting in a movie theater, the first time I saw it and that pretty much sealed the deal. Uh, I was all in at that point and everything I did, uh, you know, I was 10 at that point. Everything I did uh, for the rest of my childhood was geared towards how do I go do that? You know, it really is amazing. And, and you know, we're the same vintage here. But I, I think for, you know, um, people and especially probably young boys of our generation, Top Gun had a pretty significant impact, especially for those who end up joining the military or joining, getting into aviation. Which brings me to, you know, Top Gun Maverick. Um you know, I, certainly for 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 people like us who've seen the original, I think the new version. You know, there's a connective tissue that um, sort of brings back those memories of you know being a kid. But what do you think it says 
to the younger generation, to the 10-year-old, the 11-year-old girl or boy who's going to see it now? I mean, is it is it possible that this movie could have the same impact, well, as it did for you? I, I think so. You know, I think one of the things that the Paramount team and, and the director, Joe Kaczynski, did that I thought was was phenomenal for this movie was we, we were putting the audience in the airplane. Uh, you know, while the original had great flying scenes, and certainly that was what motivated us, us all back then in the 80s, it, the difference here is that the cameras are legitimately in the airplanes, uh, much more than they were in the original. Um, and uh, as an audience member to this movie, you're going to sit in the cockpit of an F-18 that is being maneuvered dynamically. Um, and so what I, what I hope, um, and I think will happen, is that the younger generation is going to see that and see just how uh, incredible a career it is and incredible opportunity it is to, to on a daily basis, go fly these airplanes. Uh, and hopefully that makes them want to go do it. You know, having seen it, um, and again, I'm biased. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, it really did remind me of, of my childhood. And, you know, um, I, I have to say that I think that, I hope that the younger generation loves it. But there's another thing that is, you know, I think was unplanned yet <laughs> similar between the two movies, which is one in the the first one, the famous MiG-28, right? The Soviets, this is, comes out in the height of the Cold War. And now we're back in a day where the Russians are, of course, back in the news, having invaded Ukraine. How much do you see in terms of similarity between this period of 86, height of the Cold War, and where we are now, where many people are saying we're, you know, sort of, in the return to the sort of new Cold War? Is there a similarity that adds perhaps an additional level of context to this movie? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Um, you know, back then, we, as you said, we were in the height of the Cold War. Uh, we, were, we were all waiting for a potential conflict between us and the Soviet Union. Um, and, you know, in, through the 90s and then through the early 2000s, we, we kind of walked away from that to small, smaller level conflict uh, and then right into the global war on terrorism and, and all the things that that has been. What we started seeing uh, just a few years ago is as we've transitioned out of the global war on terror, we're, we're now facing what has been routinely called a great power competition. Um, and it's, it's a triad. It's, it's us, it's uh, Russia, and it's China. Um, and so we're, we're actually walking back into that same dynamic that we all lived through in the 80s, where it's, it's not lower level conflict anymore. There's a potential for great power conflict. Uh, and what that means. And it's, it's very similar to the Cold War um, as far as what is on the table. Um, and, and that is something the military has been transitioning towards over the last few years. And we're, we're thinking differently. We're creating uh, new doctrine and new concepts of operations to address the current threats, um, which are global in nature. Um, and so I think, I think the background between both movies actually nails it quite a bit uh, as far as representative of our current environment. And obviously, the other big thing is we're, as you said, we're entering, you know, the global war on terror is is no longer necessarily the forefront. Mm -hmm. Last time I checked, neither ISIS nor Al-Qaeda had an air force. Um, our, you know, our pure adversaries certainly do. Uh, how important is, you know, in this next, whatever comes next, whether it's a, you know, a new Cold War, whatever term we use, how important is it going to be to have those flying skills that you know you taught your students at top gun how important is it to do things like you know air to air combat is that still going to be um a skill that the navy has to retain critically a critically important skill absolutely 
you know, you know, air power will always, for as long as airplanes exist, until we go to some, you know, future incredible technology, uh, air power will always be a critical concept of conflict. Um, in that you can very rarely accomplish whatever the political objectives are for going into conflict without air power. Um, and then as you look at it from an air crew standpoint and, and the folks that are flying the airplanes, you know, while our technology is much more significant today than it was in the mid-1980s, um, you still have to have the fundamental flying skills. Um, you know, th this is something that we don't often talk about much with the public, um, but, you know, these airplanes that the modern fighters, 4th Gen, 5th Gen, they, they still require you to fly the airplane, just like you were flying a Cessna. So the same requirements, while it's mechanized differently and you've got flight computers helping you out and the airplane is a little bit more unstable, so the computers kind of help you out with that, you still have to have the fundamental stick and rudder skills. Um, you have to have really the more complicated job today of managing the combat systems, uh, because we have numerous combat systems in the airplane that uh, help us fight more effectively. Um, and so while you're flying the airplane, you're also managing the combat system. Um, and then, you know, what gets missed a lot in the general conversation over fighter aircrew is we also have to be lawyers while we're in the thick of it. Um, so while either we're addressing a dynamic situation, maybe we're getting shot at, maybe we're not, we're also having to go back to the world of engagement, which is typically the size of a, of a book, um, and reference what the rules of engagement tell us we can do and then uh, apply those rules to make sure that whatever our actions are, are in accordance with the law of armed conflict. Um, so you're kind of simultaneously having to stick and rudder, fly the airplane, manage the combat systems and be a lawyer at the same time in order to do it, do it correctly um, so that, that we maintain our integrity as warfighters. You know, I've often heard, Flying a combat aircraft is about prioritizing information, that there's just so much information um, and that the jet can do so much more than you can, that it is, in many cases, the pilot prioritizes. Is that, is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yeah, you are getting fed uh, streams of information uh, in, in a second, um, and you have to be able to absorb and, and just like you said, prioritize that information. But it's also, as you said, about flying. And when we get back to the movie, I mean, one of the things that I found that was absolutely remarkable about uh, Top Gun Maverick was the flying sequences and not just the sequences of the aircraft, which, of course, were incredible. But, um, you know, the actors sat in the back and when those jets were maneuvering, they were there maneuvering. That was that was not CGI. It was pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, not just the airmanship, but it shows the the I mean, it conveyed correctly, I would imagine how difficult it is to operate in, you know, a high G environment. Is that, I mean, what can you say about like how the actors did it? I mean, it looks like they did a phenomenal job. They did an incredible job. It, it was actually one of, one of my favorite parts of filming the movie was watching the actors perform. Um, you know, Tom, Tom had his flight syllabus that he put him through. Uh, we started with uh, Cessnas and then we moved on to uh, aerobatic airplanes, uh, still propeller uh, controlled. And then he put him in L-39 um, for a couple of flights. And then we brought him to Fallon, uh, integrated him actually with Top Gun training flights for one flight. So each actor got one backseat ride uh, in the airplane, having to wear all of the survival gear and the harnesses and everything um, uh, on the flight, uh, go up into the, into the air and actually fly and fight the airplane from the backseat. 
Um, and then after that, after that one flight, the next time they got in the airplane, they had cameras in front of them and they had to operate those cameras and they had a sequence that they had to execute as far as acting goes. And, and they had to act under, under the G of, of flying the airplane. Can, you know, we, we spoke, uh, I, I had a chance to interview Jay Ellis. Um, and I mean, he said he loved it. Can you tell me what like their reaction was to this? Was it, I mean, were they all stoked to do this? It must've been an intense ride. It was, yeah, very intense. Uh, in fact, Jay is a perfect example. That's the one I usually talk about the most is uh, when we took Jay up on his uh, fan flight, if you will, for the first ride in F-18, you know, Jay just walking around has a smile that's a mile wide. Uh, when he climbed down the ladder of that airplane, uh, his, his smile was about 10 miles wide. Uh, he was ecstatic and he was moving 100 miles an hour. He was laughing. He was giggling. He was he was doing all these things, just just how excited he was coming out of that airplane and how cool of an experience that was for him. Uh, and it was great for me to see, too, because, you know, it reminded me just how unique and and cool it is to, to go fly these airplanes on a daily basis. It, it, we can cut this if, if, we, if it isn't the case. But did you, by chance, were you did you actually fly any of them or were you? Uh, no, I, I kind of stayed out of it. I, I own safety for the movie. Okay, then, um, then we won't even get into it. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. Okay, let's just. Well, don't worry, we'll cut that. Um, all right, so well, let me. It, it does ahead. bring up a good point, though. And, you know, and what what I wanted to do as the CEO of Top Gun for the filming um, was I, I wanted to get the junior officers in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I and I want to highlight. I wanted to highlight to the world just the incredible talent of our junior officers. Can Can um, I just stop you? Just let, let yeah. me. Cause that's a, that's a great point. But let me just set you up with a question, if that's okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you were the CEO of, of Top Gun at the time, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's the question. So you were the CEO of, of Top Gun at the time, and I, I know um, you weren't flying, but I assume that you were very uh, integral in setting up the syllabus and um, really exposing the actors to not just the flying, but safe flying. Can you talk about what your priorities were, you know, how you selected the actual crew to fly with these, with these actors? Uh, yeah. You know, my first priority, first and foremost was safety for everybody, uh, for both the actors and the air crew. Uh, you know, filming movies is not something that, that we do. <laughs> it's not really in our job jar. So, uh, but flying airplanes is, and, and we just wanted to make sure that we provided Joe and the Paramount team uh, everything they needed. Uh, but, doing so in a, in a safe manner, right? First and foremost. Um, and then second was I wanted to, to really show the world what I see every day or what, you know, what I saw back then as well as the CEO of Top Gun, the incredible talent of our junior air crew. You know, these are air crew that have been flying the F-18 for somewhere between four and six years, um, that, which is not much experience in the, in the big picture. Um, and I wanted to highlight to the world just how incredibly talented they were. So, so we got the, the Top Gun staff, junior officers, uh, flying in the movie. Uh, we went to Lemoore uh, to do some filming, um, and I, I wanted to kind of highlight Lemoore, which is a base in California uh, that we have uh, our, our West Coast F-18s are stationed. And, uh, and so when we went to Lemoore, I went down the flight line to all the squadron CEOs and said, hey, we're, we're going to be filming at these times this week. Uh, send me your junior officers. I'm not going to tell you who. I don't need you to cherry pick. I want to I show the world just how talented – um, our junior, uh, junior air crew are, uh, and so they did. And so we had, you know, a lot of top gun graduates flying in the movie. We had a lot of top gun instructors flying in the movie, and we had some that, uh, weren't senior enough to go through top gun yet. Um, and they were flying in the movie. 
And so all of these scenes that you're going to see are not senior air crew with three to 5,000 hours in the F-18. These are, these are folks that have less than 1,000 hours flying the F-18. Um, and again, the, the reason I did that is I wanted to show the, the American taxpayers and ultimately the world just how talented uh, our naval aviators are. Well, obviously, the, the, <clears throat> the lead, the namesake is Maverick. How true to form is the character Maverick uh, to actual naval aviators? Is there, when you talk about safety, I would think that Maverick uh, would, might have something else to say about that. What, that is very true. How do, you, how do you explain the difference between the movie character and what, is, what an actual naval aviator is like? Uh, I, I will say uh, humbly that, that we're not uh, as cool as the Maverick uh, persona. Um, and maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but you know, Maverick, as you look at him, uh, he's, he's a, he's a Hollywood personality, uh, at the end of the day. And, and, and Hollywood and the American public generally have their perception of who we are. Um, and, and we, they, we typically get that from, from movies and the original Top Gun. And, and there's this persona that we're, we're cocky and we're overconfident and, you know, safety may not be our first uh, priority. Uh, the, the reality is behind the scenes, you know, we, we live and operate on a foundation of professionalism. Um, when you talk about Top Gun specifically and how we operate, um, we are very confident in our skills, um, maybe bordering to the point of a little cocky, but we have built up that confidence uh, on skill. Um, and so in order to do that, you have to be humble. You have to be able to come back from a flight and say to yourself, okay, I, I messed this up and I made, messed this up and I made these mistakes. Um, and so we pride ourselves on being humble first, and then we build up through repetition and skill development, the confidence to go out there and face any situation against any adversary and their capabilities confidently, because by that point, we know we can dominate anybody. You know, if the character Maverick is a Hollywood creation, the, uh, the perhaps the thing that, that isn't that I thought was also fairly remarkable for Top Gun Maverick was the diversity of the cast. Now, I think, you know, this is something between 1986 and 2022 where the Navy and the military and the country at large, right? We have, uh, we have a, you know, African-American Secretary of Defense. Um, this was a diverse cast. When it comes to the crew, when it comes to, to aviation and naval aviation, and it comes to the Navy, I mean, how true to form is that, uh, that diversity in the cast? Is that something that was just created in Hollywood or is it, or is it something that really actually represents naval aviation? Uh, no, I think it, it absolutely represents naval aviation. You know, it, not only naval aviation, but the military writ large. We we are a, a group of professionals that come from all corners of, of society, um, and we we've all had we all have our reasons for why we joined or, or why the military became a priority for us. Some, like myself, you know, saw Top Gun the original and said, "Okay, I, whatever it takes, I want to go do that." Um, other folks, um, you know, maybe didn't grow up. Uh, under the best of circumstances, and, and the military was kind of the best option for them, which, which it typically is. Um, but we, we represent uh, all corners of society from a diversity standpoint. And so, you know, what you see in the movie in Top Gun Maverick is, uh, is, is accurate. You know, we're, we're t the Top Gun staff is very diverse. There's not a single person on that staff that was born with a silver spoon in, the, in their mouth um, or, you know, comes from an affluent background. Um, these are all just people that come from multiple different backgrounds and multiple different ethnicities that uh, put in the hard work to go do it. Um, and I, I think that represents also the, 
the Navy writ large as well as the Department of Defense writ large. And, you know, obviously diversity and, you know, inclusion are, again, just just the the makeup of the fleet, the makeup of the Navy between 1986 and 2022 is, of course, I think we can all acknowledge this, is changed significantly. Mm-hmm. But there's another thing that's also changed, and that is, uh, you know, I, I kind of laughed when I was watching the movie that um, they were talking about fifth gen fighters and they're talking about the F-18 being old. And you know, it, to me, it's the F-18 sort of <laughs> doesn't seem that old. Maybe that's just because I'm old, but we're <laughs> moving to a new, a new paradigm of, of, you know, UAVs, UAS is, yeah. is the next top gun is how, what do you say to someone who say, you know, says, well, you know, uh, the person in the cockpit is going to replace by someone flying a UAV or auto- autonomy. Um, is that going to change? Is there, I mean, are we, are we sort of seeing, you know, Maverick as the heyday of the manned fighter? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think inevitably that we will get there, but I think we're, we're decades away from that. Um, you know, technology is certainly uh, rapidly getting better. And it's providing more opportunities for us to go to, you know, to, to fight a conflict more effectively and efficiently. Um, but, but I think you're, you're always going to have to have that man in the loop somewhere. Um, you know, we, we spoke earlier about the law of armed conflict and rules of engagement and so forth. And, you know, th- those are critical to how we, we fight conflict, which I know these words typically don't go together, but how we fight conflict from a moral stance. You know, we, we have a law that we have to abide by to make sure that, that we're, we're doing the right things, even in a very aggressive and, you know, violent environment. We're doing the right things still. And, you know, you look at, you look at autonomy, um, and we're just not there yet from a technology standpoint where we, as, as members of the military, can fully trust something autonomous to go downrange and do the right thing. Um, I don't think the American public is ready for that, and I don't think they should be ready for that yet. Um, now, as, as technology matures, again, you know, maybe 30, 40 years down the road, maybe that's a conversation that we have. Now, the middle ground there, as you mentioned, is, is um, unmanned, where you have a human in the loop who's flying the airplane and so forth. And that is certainly a road that we are going down, um, and I think everybody's going down that same road. But I'll, I'll, I'll never... I'll never say that you still won't have manned airplanes somewhere in the fight. Um, you just you just have to have that human layer, that mind there that can reference the entirety of the situation, determine what the right course of action is, both from a warfighting standpoint as well as a legal standpoint, to make sure that we're still fighting, um, you know, from an ethical stance. If that kind of makes sense, it, it makes total sense. And I, and I got to be honest, whether it's unmanned or autonomous, you know. Just kind of hard to see that those guys would get cool, cool, cool call signs. So, well, that too. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> that seems like a fairly big hindrance. I would hope. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, you know, at the end of the day, too, it's uh, you know, as, as the younger generations we were speaking about before watches this movie, you know, there are still going to be man fighters uh, as they grow up and are of an age where they can go do this. That that is guaranteed. That is still going to happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, there, there is very few jobs cooler in the world where you can look at it and say, my office is a fighter jet. You know, maybe Formula One drivers can have that same level of coolness. But, uh, you know, for, for those of us that are, that are lucky enough to do this career, it, it is the greatest career there is. It's, it's awesome. Well, I, I would amend that obviously being a podcaster. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> I'm kidding. So here's my last question for you. And it's funny because, you know, I, I spent uh, the weekend with um, a Marine aviation uh, squadron and, you know, I watched for three days as um, they spent hours uh, well into the, you know, planning, briefing, even for just a traditional training flight, um, how the maintainers worked late at night to make sure the helicopters were okay to go the next morning, um, how even, you know, the security forces just were there 24 hours uh, a day, making sure that the building was, you know, protected. And after all that, after all the pilots filled out their paperwork, after they did everything, they got in the, hel- the, the cockpit and flew. And, and to a woman and a man, when I asked them afterwards, I said, you know, was all of this worth it? Does sitting in the cockpit remove all the pain that comes with, you know, having to prepare to flight? And they all said, to, like, they all said yes. And one, one of them said to me something that I thought was very, you know, prophetic that I want to ask you, which is, if you love flying, then all of this is worth, it's worth it. Yeah. So I want to ask you that same question, Commander. Is, you know, every time you would get into the cockpit, did it ever get old? Never. Nope. Nope. And I've been doing it for 23 years now, uh, and it still doesn't get old. I still have, you know, a smile, maybe not as big as Jay's, but uh, pretty close on my face when I get to go fly. Um, and, and I'd also say, you know, with their answers, I would add on to that and really kind of go holistic with with what it's like to be in this business. You know, getting to call your office the, the, the cockpit of a fighter jet is is significant. And, and that really is the, the face of why this job is, is so cool uh, and, and fun and, and, uh, and so forth. But it's everything really in the background that's just as important that we don't often talk about enough or nearly enough. Um, you know, first and foremost to me is the people that I get to serve with are all extremely professional uh, and and they make the job as fun, as much fun as it is. Um, and it's, it's folks of, of all ranks. This is not just the officers I get to work with on a daily basis. This is the enlisted, the sailors that I get to work with, uh, even the brand new sailors coming out of boot camp, uh, the sailors that have been around for 30 years, uh, the officers that have been around uh, as well. It, getting to work with that level of professional people and having them around you all day long is a significant uh, benefit to doing this kind of career. And then the other one that we don't talk about as well is the higher sense of purpose. Um, and, and while this is not a, a current environment example, it still applies, but it's, it's more of a GWAT example. You know, when we were fighting GWAT and we were away for our families for, you know, more than a year at times, um, uh, doing stuff uh, in the Middle East, we, we weren't there because the Navy or the Department of Defense was telling us we needed to be there. We didn't work hard for those reasons. We were there to help protect people that couldn't protect themselves uh, and that were dealing with just extraordinary terror in their daily lives. Um, and so, you know, while our methods of helping them may seem odd, it, the reality is we were helping them on a daily basis to, to keep the focus off of them and keep the focus from the terrorists on us. Uh, and go out there and, and try to fight terrorism as best as we can in order to protect them. And it was that higher sense of purpose that really makes this job as rewarding as it is. Um, and so, you know, I, I had sailors when we were on a deployment in 2017 that were working for eight hours plus on a flight deck that middle of the day would get upwards of 140 degrees. And they didn't complain about it. They didn't slow down. They worked their, their behinds off every single day for, for a few months while we were online. 
Um, and they did a phenomenal job and they were doing it because they knew they were making a difference in the world. Um, and so, you know, you look at this career holistically and, and certainly the flying is a fantastic part of it. Um, but just as important, and I think all, all of us would say the same thing, just important as flying is the people that you get to work with of all ranks on a daily basis, as well as the uh, higher sense of purpose that you get to go out and, and actually um, have an impact on, on the world and, and, you know, the safety of the world. Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think obviously um, I like to think the people who join the military, part of it, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast is on the show is the, the call to service and the idea that no matter what your service is, you are belong to something that is bigger than self. And exactly. I think people understand that, but it doesn't help that your office, as you said, was a fight. <laughs> that is very true. Yes, that makes it uh, definitely a lot more fun. <laughs> well, Commander, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks once again to Jay Ellis and Pops for joining us. Of course, Top Gun Maverick is out now nationwide. And if you're looking for a little something extra to complement Top Gun Maverick, I'm excited to share that I'm doing a web series on the military. The first episode, Flying with the Marines, is out. I had a hell of a time. Make sure you check it out at youtube.com backslash Newsweek. Again, that's Newsweek's YouTube channel. The full 10-minute episode is there. Enjoy the long weekend, and uh, let's take a second to think about what Memorial Day means, and let's thank those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice in defense of this nation. So have a great, safe weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Make sure you check out Top Gun. Make sure you check out my latest web episode. And until next time, I'm Naveed Jamal. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.